Welcome to Celebrate Poe. My name is George Bartley, and this is episode number 116, Money Part One. Now, before this episode gets into gear, I want to give a shout out to a person named Andy in Indianapolis. And if any of you out there have any comments, suggestions, or criticism or questions, please email me at celebratepoe at gmail.com. That's C-E-L-E-B-R-A-T-E-P-O-E, all one word, celebratepoe at gmail.com. According to my stats, it looks like some of you are undoubtedly new listeners to Celebrate Poe. Uh, This podcast started with a 30-second trailer in one country with less than three downloads. What follows is that trailer that started it all. Imagine that Edgar Allan Poe came back to Earth and did a podcast. That's the premise behind Celebrate Poe, co-hosted by the ghost of Mr. Poe and historical reenactor George Bartley. So, join Mr. Poe for Celebrate Poe, a deep dive into the life and works of America's Shakespeare. Now, a good portion of this podcast has been devoted to the imaginary character of Edgar Allan Poe, frequently serving as a guest for this podcast. And uh, for those of you who were unfamiliar with the character of the ghost of Poe, well, I have a refresher for you today. A good part of the first part of this episode will be devoted to my first encounter with Mr. Poe's ghost, an imaginary encounter encounter that took place, appropriately enough, at Alderman Library at the University of Virginia. I say appropriately enough because several upcoming episodes will delve into Edgar Poe's time as a student at the University of Virginia during its second year of operation. And I also use the term appropriately enough because I could imagine the ghost of Poe haunting, or as they say in Richmond, hanting, a library that meant a great deal to the writer. So, back to one of the earliest episodes of Celebrate Poe to help to bring you up to speed. There was a time when one of my favorite things to do was go to the massive Alderman Library at the University of Virginia in Charlottesville. One night I was doing some research at the library using some books that I could not find anywhere else. Just being in that library was always a wonderful experience, seated with towering columns of books all around me volumes brimming with the knowledge of the ages. Snuggled into a big comfy chair, I was reading some commentary regarding Shakespeare, but to be honest, the book wasn't all that interesting. I dozed off, no no idea how long I slept, but I remember feeling some cold wind. I slowly opened my eyes and glanced around me. When I started reading, the room was full, But now there were no students or librarians anywhere, just furniture, desks, and endless stacks of books. (laughs) 
a man of medium height with a mustache, piercing eyes, and slightly curly hair stood a few feet in front of me. He was wearing what you call steampunk-style clothes, a black cape and a white vest that made him look like uh, he would have been at home in a Victorian lecture or reading. He spoke in a soft voice with a southern accent. My sincerest greetings, Mr. Bartley. My name is Edgar A. Poe, but I'm sure you knew that. Now, how are you? Well, I assumed that I was dreaming. And I looked at the figure and said, uh, Who did you say you were? I am the ghost, or if you will, spirit or energy of Edgar A. Poe. I quickly looked around again and saw no one. That is, except for this quirky-looking steampunk character. It seemed everyone else had gone home. Maybe I had fallen asleep. I thought if I did the smart thing and got up and left quickly, it might set off the security alarm. But uh, right now, that fear was the least of my worries. So I decided that the best thing to do was to remain calm and humor this person, or whatever it was. Mr. Bartley, I have come to speak with you tonight about your interest in my life. I know you are immersed in studying Shakespeare, but I have come to you with a proposal regarding me. Uh, how did you know I was studying about Shakespeare? Oh, I have many methods to accomplish my course of action. I thought to myself, I bet he wants money. Maybe he'll say he has a surefire business investment and uh, then end up spending any money I give him for alcohol or drugs or both. I can assure you it is not my intention to be the source of any distress on your part. Well, let me assure you that I don't believe in ghosts or anything dealing with the supernatural. Mr. Bartley, I remember the first time you visited the museum built in my honor in Richmond, Virginia. You were especially interested in the words from Hamlet that I had copied in a book during my earthly life. How could you possibly have known that? I never mentioned that to anyone. And I remember well the many times that you traveled in West Virginia reenacting my life. This may sound strange, but as a historical reenactor, I always felt somewhat of a responsibility to represent Edgar Allan Poe as a historical character with utmost respect for accuracy, almost as though he were watching. But I don't believe in ghosts. He continued as though what I was saying about not believing in ghosts was totally irrelevant. And you did a most adequate uh, reenactment for, for the most part, though sometimes I found myself wincing. Okay, tell me. If you were there, prove it. Do you remember Mountaineer Middle School and, and you gave your standard narration about me studying in England for five years while still a young boy? He was right about the school name in West Virginia, but how did he know about the details of my speech to the class? That, that was years ago. That, that made me wonder where this was going. 
a very sincere student at Mountaineer Middle School in West Virginia, asked a question during the question and answer period for you to name that headmaster in England. Uh, that is when you were speaking as though you were me. You know, I'll never forget that. I thought I was prepared when a student asked that question, but my mind went totally blank. I had no earthly idea how to answer that. Yes, you, you had no earthly idea. I remember I had a feeling of panic at that school that I hope didn't show. I was ready to say, uh, I, I forgot his name. Well, of course, you could not see me physically, but I realized you needed help and, and caused you to say, uh, that would be the Reverend Bransby. I always wondered where in the world that came from. Uh, but, but Mr. Bartley, what, what you might term a uh, recollection did not come from this world. Well, thanks, I, I guess... And if that ever happens again, remember that I would not have used the word teenager like you did. The word teenager was not used for almost a hundred years after my earthly existence. Well, thank you, Mr. Poe. I mean, if that is who you are. Mr. Bartley, I can sense that you are hesitant to accept my reality and consider my suggestions. As you may surmise, I have spent an inordinate amount of time in various libraries reading about my favorite subject, myself, and, and those I loved. Some writers, such as Rufus Griswold, infuriate me. Others, such as Arthur Hobson Quinn, are examples of exemplary scholarship. And some literary attempts are simply laughable. I had no idea that I would become so well-known as a writer or so misunderstood after my earthly demise. To be specific, I desire to make endeavors to embark on a new form of historical and literary creativity, at least new for me. I, I would like to begin a podcast regarding my life, works, and times. Podcasts do seem to be rather popular now among the masses, and you certainly have more knowledge of computers than I, so I do insist that I maintain, in the words of your current vernacular, complete creative control regarding the content. But you can handle the mechanical connections. I thought the best thing to do was just humor this guy and go along with his idea, at least verbally. Uh, so I said, yes, I'm sure that uh, we can work something out. This would be an opportunity for you to learn more about my life and times, as well as an excellent way of communicating that knowledge to others. Mr. Poe, this would be a gigantic undertaking. I have over a hundred books about you, and so many of them contradict each other. Actually, you just have 97 books about me. But you can avail yourself of the many post scholars, as well as library and online resources. And one must admit that you do spend an inordinate amount of time using your computer. Experience that I would no doubt find quite useful in doing further research. Please consider my proposal, Mr. Bartley. 
farewell, and let me leave you with some words from my story, The Premature Burial. He stared at me with hypnotic eyes and slowly said, The boundaries which divide life from death are at best shadowy and vague. Who knows where one ends and where the other begins? And Mr. Poe disappeared. I quickly left the library, and fortunately, the security alarm did not go off. Uh, I hadn't done anything wrong, uh, but if any authority figure asked me what I had been doing, I seriously doubt that he or she would believe me. I thought that maybe like Scrooge and Dickens' A Christmas Carol, I had eaten a bad bit of beef and imagined this character. After all, I had just eaten at McDonald's. And the reality of it was that uh, while I had been thinking about starting a podcast, I was far too busy for such a massive undertaking as doing one regarding Edgar Allan Poe to really do it right. So I promptly forgot about it for several years. Now, you don't have to believe the following either, but the ghost of Edgar Poe visited me again. I was watching a YouTube video in my current apartment in Indianapolis, Indiana, and all at once I felt some cold air. I started feeling the strange sensations that I had experienced at Alderman Library years before. The figure who had introduced himself as Mr. Edgar A. Poe stood beside me. Hello, Mr. Bartley. I am sure you know who I am. How did you get in here? The door to my apartment building and the door to my apartment itself are both locked. And he replied with the same words he had used several years ago in Charlottesville, Virginia. Oh, I have many methods to accomplish my course of actions. Well, either I'm hallucinating or this is really happening. Mr. Bartley, I did not want to bother you regarding a podcast until you were genuinely ready. Yes, I have thought about a podcast for years, but have never really taken action. But I think I might be ready in a way that I've never felt before. Yes, Mr. Bartley, I have a desire to eliminate some of the unfair perceptions that have arisen regarding my earthly existence. A movie or television program or even YouTube video might serve as media vehicles in pursuit of this goal, but mine is an extremely complex narrative that will potentially require hundreds of hours. A podcast would give me an opportunity to relate the entire story for a new audience. And Mr. Poe, I'm depending on you to see me through this podcast. I can visualize now that uh, the podcast's contents could consist of previous knowledge that I might have regarding your life, as well as a great deal of research. I, I thought to myself that uh, this podcast idea might sound ridiculous at first, uh, but then I grew to the conclusion that it might be the chance of a lifetime, having Mr. Edgar Allan Poe talk to me about his life, the ultimate primary source. 
I have an excellent title for our podcast. What is your opinion regarding my concept? I, I have condensed my original idea to let us express the highest literary exultation and commemoration regarding the tortured and calamitous life of the celebrated and renowned Edgar A. Poe as a highly renowned and influential writer with emphasis on a tragic Southern life, numerous and debilitating travails, physical maladies, personal fallacies, and emotional states while engaging in, but not limited to, psychological studies of terror, texts of acerbic humor, the invention of the modern science fiction narrative, the devising of the detective story, scathing literary criticism, and the creation of melancholy poetry against a backdrop of early 19th century America, as well as a cursory study of the numerous individuals and events informing the development of the writer's talents and career as a prominent member of America's Romantic and Renaissance movements and frequently esteemed as America's Shakespeare. Mr. Poe, that certainly communicates many, many ideas and might be an appropriate title for a 19th century novel that you wrote, but I doubt that your title will fit on a small cover art graphic, much less a tweet. Why don't we shorten your title to Celebrate Poe? If you truly feel that uh, such a title would be more effective... Mr. Poe, I know you are the literary genius, but trust me on this one. Mr. Bartley, I I can sense that you are definitely ready. Well, farewell, Mr. Bartley. Remember, the boundaries which divide life from death are at best shadowy and vague. Who knows where one ends and where the other begins? Well, I just wanted to get you as listeners of this podcast up to speed about the constant appearances and disappearances of the ghost of Mr. Poe in this podcast. Now, if you remember, the title of this specific podcast is Money Part One, and that will basically be the subject of the rest of this episode, as well as the subject of Money Part Two in the next episode. But to delve into that area of Mr. Poe's life, especially as it relates to Mr. Allen, I would like to call on the ghost of Mr. Poe for a little family history. Yes, Mr. Bartley, I do feel that is in order. The financial situation of the Allen family was dramatically affected by Mr. William Galt. You see, Mr. Galt... Mr. William Galt was from Scotland and brought several young boys to Richmond to train them in his highly prosperous firm. Yes, Mr. Poe, I believe all of those boys were were relatives. Yes, the, the first one, John Allen, was a nephew and formed a business partnership with Charles Ellis, a cousin in 1800. Both men had served as clerks in the commission house of William Galt Sr. in Richmond. In fact, the firm of Ellis and Allen was originally financed by Mr. Galt. Mr. Galt later adopted additionally three orphaned brothers in Scotland, William Jr., James, and Robert. Now, this William Jr. was not his son, by the way. I do not want you to be confused. 
You see, William Sr. had originally entered business determined to earn a great deal of money and never found time to court the ladies himself, so he never selected a wife and he never really had any direct offspring to whom that he might leave his future resources. William Sr. eventually moved to Richmond and became a very wealthy man. In addition to his business, he owned a great deal of real estate in the cities of Richmond and Lynchburg, plantations in Amherst, Campbell, Fluvanna, Goochland, and Monroe counties, several hundred slaves, several grist and sawmills, and quite a few shares of stock in the Bank of Virginia. Mr. Poe, as you know, when Mr. Galt died, he left the bulk of his estate to John Allen. It is estimated that he left $750,000 to John Allen, an amount that today would be worth almost $23 million. Now that Celebrate Poe has delved briefly into the background of how Mr. Allen obtained a significant portion of William Galt's fortune, the next episode, Money Part 2, will deal with such areas as how Mr. Allen dealt with his newly obtained wealth and the reality that Edgar Poe's foster father was one of the wealthiest men in the United States. Sources for this episode include From Scottish Orphan to Virginia Planter, William Galt, Jr., 1801-1851, by G. Melvin Herndon from the Virginia Magazine of History and Biography, The Complete Works of Edgar Allan Poe by Edgar Allan Poe, Edgar Allan Poe, A Critical Biography by author Hobson Quinn, Edgar Allan Poe, The Man, by Mary E. Phillips. Edgar Allan Poe, A Critical Biography, by author Hobson Quinn. I want to emphasize that one. Life of Edgar Allan Poe, by Eugene L. Didier. The Poe Log, A Documentary Life of Edgar Allan Poe, by Dwight Thomas and David K. Jackson. Poe and Place, by Philip Edward Phillips. And New Glimpses of Poe, by James A. Harrison. Thank you for listening to Celebrate Poe.